Welcome to the Elder Hour podcast, where we discuss the history of plants from a magical perspective. We'll be exploring the history, lore, and mystical properties of a new plant every single week. I'm your host, Juliette Diaz, an indigenous Taino bruja and seer from a long line of medicine women and men. I have a master's of science in herbal medicine, best-selling author of Witchery, Embrace the Witch Within, and founder of Plant Coven. And I'm your host, Chelsea Selby, owner of occult bath and body brand, Witch Baby Soap, college-educated holistic health practitioner, and lifelong witch. Welcome to the Elder Hour podcast. Today, we have a very special holiday episode where we're talking about poinsettia. I don't know about you, Julia, but I have always been curious about the history of poinsettias. Yes. Well, like for me, I've always known the history of it. So I have like a really touchy energy when it comes to them. Like I don't even like calling them poinsettias. And I don't think I do after this research either. Yeah, I don't, we don't call them. It's a Ketla Soshi. So literally sticking to its original name and then because we'll follow through on why um, on this episode. Yes, it's um so it's it's a uh, scientific name is Euphorbia pulcherima meaning very beautiful and then uh the Ketlasoshi name means flower that withers mortal flower that per- perishes like all that is pure. Yes, yes, yes. And that's so, named by the Aztecs. Yes. So poinsettias are indigenous to central Mexico. Um, and could be found in southern Mexico in Taxo del Alagón, where the flower um, blooms during the winter time. Um, do you want to go right into the whole? Sure, we can go into that first. I wanted to just um, go over. So there's no planetary associations with this plant, like anywhere uh-huh. that I found. So um, I kind of like went through and dissected some of the aspects of the plant. Uh, that I saw. So I think that it's associated with Mars, um, who, as we spoke previously about, rules over red flowering plants. Yes. And I think that they also have a moon aspect because they have that like milky sap inside. Yes. I, I also thought Saturn because of the, because of the liquid, because of the sap. Yeah. Well, so I'm leaning towards moon with that because anything with like a milky sap is technically like a moon aspect of a plant. So like any, or anything that's like damp, any dampness, like melons and stuff like that. Yeah. But like milk, like coconut milk or anything like white, like a white oozy milky substance. Plus it's also, uh, was used by the Aztec people for lactation. Yes. Yes. That's really good then. So definitely moon. Um, and then I, I feel like it aligns with fire because of its color, but also because of the Aztec people saying that it it flowered like birds of flame. And then the Mayans referring to it as Kalul wits, which means ember flower. Yes. So perfect. That's exactly how I feel it. Like definitely that fire energy on Mars and definitely the, I, the milky aspect does relate. It's more moon than Saturn. You're right on that one. For sure. You, you know what I also didn't know about poinsettias? What? <laughs> that they're actually trees? Yeah. They really are. I had no idea that the poinsettia was a fucking tree. <laughs> yeah, they could grow really big. When I had um, the shop, I had one that was like at least up to like five feet, like just from growth. But if you keep 
trimming it and the way that they genetically do them, they keep them very small, but they do grow really big. That is so wild. They're so pretty too. They're gorgeous. Um, what else do we want to talk about before we kind of like go into the harsh truth of the history of, you know, Kelo Shoshi? I think that's really it. Okay. So here we go. So in American fashion, um, she was renamed in a horrible way, right? Because she was named after Joel Roberts Poinsett. He was actually an Indian hater, very racist, a former U.S. ambassador to Mexico um, who was kicked out. He stole um, Poinsetta, which is what you know it as to be, and made it his own. So named it after himself. Um, you, you found that also, right? Yeah. Um, they, uh, so they actually named it after him on the day that he died, yes. which is December 12th. December 12th. And mm-hmm. coincidentally, that's also the day of the Virgin Guadalupe, uh, or Dia de la Virgin. And, uh, I found that really fascinating considering like the whole history of the poinsettia. What? Well, what they did was it's a whole racist slap in the face because um, they also named um, December 12th Poinsettia Day. Yes, that's, yeah, they named the, tw- the 12th Poinsettia Day. Those motherfuckers. So it's literally, it's, it's a really racist history. It's a really, a, a really important um, story to be told and spread. People need to know about this. People need to stop calling it Poinsettia. Um, it's a direct disrespect to, um, it's, indigenous roots and its culture and its symbolism. Um, and this is something that I've been struggling. Like I, I mentioned that I wanted to write this part in my book and I wasn't allowed to by hate house. Um, which is fine because I'm not no longer part of hate house because of course it took me a while to see that they just didn't want me to make, um, white folks uncomfortable with my writing. Um, but this is not my purpose on this earth. And my purpose is to reclaim our roots um, and the indigenous people's roots or whatever roots, anybody's roots, right? Um, just bring justice back and reclaiming what was once was ours um, and still belongs to our spirits. <laughs> A thousand percent, yes. I'm like, I know I get preachy as fuck when I, when I run into things like this. It just... Oh, preach on. Yeah, it, break, it breaks my heart because I, I wish I could have written a book on just decolonizing plans because mm-hmm. during my research... You still can. I, I know I still can, right? But I think <laughs> there's something for us to do together. We're already doing Elder Hour. I feel like we do a, such a great job already in decolonizing um, plants and like speaking so much beauty and truth and, and, and bringing so much um, beautiful roots to all over the world where, with the plants that we touch on. So we're, we're doing it. We're doing a great job. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about doing this podcast. Favorite part. I was like Exposing so the dirty laundry of the plant history. Yeah, so definitely it's a symbol of purity um, that was held powerful medicinal properties before it was genetically modified, by the way. Um, it was cultivated as an exotic gift from nature and admired but never touched. Um, its bright red color had been given by the gods as a reminder of the periodic sacrificial offerings in accordance with the creation of the fifth suit. And then the intense red represented um, the kiloshoshi, and the precious liquid represented the sacrifices offered to the gods. 
Yeah. And I thought, and I thought it was really um, important to also point out that the Aztec peoples cultivated big, beautiful gardens full of these flowers and others, but not just for the beauty of the plant, but also for spiritual and medicinal purposes. This was very medicinal and it was a very spiritual plant for sure. I wish I could have seen it. I'm sure it was like amazing. I have some, I mean, I could send you some pictures and uh, so we could post it also on our Instagram page of how it originally looks and uh, not the modified version. Yes. It really has actually the, what we're told or what people think. I know if you work with the poinsettia, you'll know, I hate calling it poinsettia. Um, if you work with it, you'll know that the blooming is not the red petal. There's actually the yellow um, in the center of the flowers. Mm-hmm. The actual- yeah, the- the red is the leaves. Is the leaves, yeah. So in a lot of the the lore, um, if you go into like the Catholic, so what we're saying is Catholics stole this, like the whole symbolism. They they took it and made it something Yes. Else. Okay, yeah, they did. So in the sixteenth century, Catholic friars created a nativity scene with the flowers. Yes. And then the legend says that on Christmas Eve, the, the leaves turned red during mass and, and thus they named it um, Flor de Noche Buena or the flower of the blessed night. Yes, definitely. And they have like a, a, a whole bunch of different legends, but they're all fucking fake. Um, and all it's doing, I also read an article in Medium. I'm going to give you the, the link to share because it has like a whole article on this. Um, that the flower was used by Catholics as further proof from God that he, never she, wanted the savage natives converted and used however the European colonizers decided. Yes, I actually have this, uh, that this is like, this is the playbook for, for colonization and assimilation, assimilation. Um, that they exploited this plant as a connection to the birth of Jesus, and they did the same thing uh, with holly because yes. it's a very pagan plant in 604 ad when pope gregory the first sanctioned the use of holly for holiday decor he tied it into the story of mary and jesus and it makes no fucking sense it's from mexico how are you getting it tied into jesus like it wasn't <laughs> jesus at all it wasn't in the desert like it's, it's like how my 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 issue with with this colonization thing, it's like how do the people who who believe this this false false stories? How do they believe it? If you just, like, just if you just look at the part of the world where the fucking plant came from, and then where Jesus was, it does not make sense. It doesn't link. Like, how are you believing these things? Um, we as people, we should be more responsible. Take responsibility to do our research. If you start believing in something, do your research, look into it, look into its origins, look into where the story was created and how, question everything. Because most of the things that I was told growing up, and yes, I did go to the Catholic church and that was by choice because I was curious. And as fast as I got in, I got out. And it's because I did my research. I asked the questions. Um, and, And this is not to like bring down Catholics or Christians or anything like that, but sorry, the fact is that most everything you know about these religions is taken from paganism and from indigenous peoples. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of doing research, I, I went, I did a deep dive into Joel R. Poinsett. Yeah. You would like to hear it. Disgusting. Go ahead. Go. So Joel R. Poinsett 
was the first U.S. ambassador to Mexico, who in 1828 sent the poinsettia back to his home in um, in South Carolina. And before he was the ambassador to Mexico, he was also the Secretary of War under President Martin Van Buren. During his time as Secretary of War, more Native people were displaced than ever before. A war against brown people, first of all. He had a terrible reputation in Mexico during this time and started the people started using the word poinsettismo to refer to general douchebaggery. <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Um, during the, his time in Mexico, his obje- objectives were to obtain Texas from Mexico, keep Mexico from obtaining Cuba and Spain, and reduce British influence in Mexico. He meddled in foreign affairs, trying to reserve the best capitalist trading conditions for America with disregard for anyone else's welfare. He even in he was even involved in the orchestration of the Chilean War, Civil War of 1814. Mm-hmm. And he was actually declared a person non grata and kicked out of Mexico for interfering with Mexican and South American politics and was given notice to return home on, coincidentally, Christmas Day. Yep. So, and, and you know, he was hired on Christmas Day also. So strange the way like all of these dates just line up with the this flower is now like a Christmas symbol. Yeah, but it's in 2002 was when they made poinsettia day on um, December 12th. And I remember, I remember distinctly that year, a lot of indigenous people, um, because, you know, I do a lot of activism, were really riled up about it. And I'm like, why they riled up about this plant on this day? And then they, the significance of that day and the connection to its, you know, awful history in this country made a lot of sense. So it's interesting how there's so much politics and plans. And let me tell you why, because I've gotten a few questions about this. How come there's so much, you know, us liberals talking about <laughs> politics and, and plans? And it's because plants are motherfucking sacred. They are spiritual beings. They're sacred. They're indigenous to the earth, period. No matter where they came from on this earth, they are real beings. They're alive. They have real medicine. They have real magic. And this is the thing that they try to keep from us, right? With pharmaceutical companies, with us getting away from connecting with plants and using them for, um, working with them for And that's not to say that we're anti-pharmaceuticals because for some things you absolutely need pharmaceuticals. Yeah, for those touchy people who are probably like, oh, she's in. No, I'm not anti-anything. Just relax. Just telling you the (laughs) truth. (laughs) Everybody like so touchy lately about everything we say. So it's kind of like not being anti-pharmaceutical because yes, obviously there's a reason for some of the medicine that we can't really connect to with the plants. It has to be something different. We just live in this world where it's, it's so like all in or all out and there's really a place for both, you know? We shouldn't, there's this, like we talked about this before. We always bring it up, right? Humans are extremists. Like you either all the way on one side, all the way on the other. Like you have your own brain, your heart, your intuition, your spirits, your guides, your ancestors with you. You have the ability to create an opinion or a sense of belief for yourself. Um, and, and, and really the whole point that we're, ch- what should save this world is unity, right? How do we unite everything together? Um, and it's definitely not by separation, definitely not by choosing sides. 
We have yeah. to come to a common place. We have to come to a place where we're in agreement and we understand and, and there's love for everything. Right. But of course, eradicating, banishing, and getting rid of the the shit that's bringing us down in the first place. Absolutely. Listen, anybody who's watched the Bad Girls Club knows that division begets power in, in in that environment. Like the first thing that the person who's trying to control the house on Bad Girls Club does is they go in the house and they create a bunch of petty arguments and divisions Uh so that they can control everything yes yes that's so true that's literally like the the business plan of this country (laughs) (laughs) it's just a big version of the bad girls club they're just gonna you know if you have a problem they'll take your shit and throw it in the pool and then half the house will be like yeah fuck you your shit's in the pool (laughs) yeah it's so true i literally have no fucks to give anymore i said this before the call I'm going through some shit myself, and I really love that it's we're doing poinsettia. I is it your fault? Get la shoshi. Is it your fault that I went through a breakdown yesterday? <laughs> it could be. It could be because like, wait, can we? All right. So when you were telling me all of this, okay, I have. The, I went into a deep dive into across the globe um, in Nepal. Points or. Ketla Soshi is very popular and grown there too. It's known as Lalupati. In Nepal, it's associated with the goddess Kali. Mm -hmm. Uh, The red flowers, particularly red hibiscus, poinsettia, and red rhododendrons are offered to her. Uh, Kali is portrayed in three forms as Sattva Guna in white, the sustaining mother in red, and the absorber of all in black. Um, very much similar to like the mother mating crone style archetype you see in a lot of common goddess folklore. Uh-huh. So she represents rebirth, creator, and destroyer. And poinsettia is actually a traditional wedding flower. And amongst the Nuwari tribe in the valley of Kathmandu, it's their wedding flower of choice. On the day of the wedding, the Nuwari bride becomes Kali, destroying all that came before her marriage to make way for the new beginnings of life. Oh, God. And women in the Nuwari tribe remain home until they marry. So this really is the beginning of their next stage of life. It was. So it was, Kelo Shoshi, why did you do this to me? <laughs> so for those who don't know what I'm talking like literally what you just said is li- what's happened to me. I was like, wow, this is real Kali energy. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when we tap into plants and we connect with them. Like, I know it's not like the whole year up until this point, but I did have my major breakthrough or breakdown or whatever you want to call it. I call it rebirth. Um, yesterday, um, and it, it just makes so much sense. I really love, love, love how everything just connects to each other, whether it's affecting you before we do the podcast episode or me. Mm-hmm. That was one of us. Um, so yeah, it, it does have that. It's it's really beautiful to work with Get Little Shoshi for um, that tra- banishing or transformation or rebirth, or le- especially letting go of the old and, and allowing yourself to reset and renew. Mm-hmm. And um, it also so it's so it's a sign of fertility, but it also shows a bright future. So when we were talking about it earlier, I was like, "This is like a good thing, though." 
it is a good thing. It, it, it is. But you know what's interesting too? Um, a little off topic is all of these, the plants that we're doing for winter are kind of all associated with freaking weddings. Oh yeah. Well, so in deep in my research, I also found out this other thing that I really loved. Um, Hindu weddings in Nepal are really rooted in spirituality and they require you to consult an astrologer to pick the most blessed date for the wedding. Are you serious? That is awesome. I love that. But here's the other aspect. With everything you have, you know, you have a positive and a negative. There is also an aspect of witchcraft in Nepal that I wanted to speak about. Um, Lalupate dupe is incense of the red flower. It's heavily utilized in shamanic ceremony in Nepal, but it's also reported to be in bakshi dupe, which is used to ward off witches or bakshis, which is what they call witches in Nepal. And bakshis are described as kind of like witches and vampires all rolled into one. They leave this thing called the bakshi bite, which is like a hickey-like mark on people they drain or wish ill intent upon. Nepal actually has a very big sexist problem with calling women bakshis and attacking women who are accused of witchcraft. So much so that in 2014, there was legislation rolled out to protect the women who have to continuously endure these types of attacks. Mm -hmm. And it's largely because of like, you know, uh, the women that I've seen in some of the documentaries or I've read about have, they're neurodiverse, they are living in poverty, they're widows, or they have family members who are neurodiverse or um, you know, have any type of health issue. You and know, go ahead. I'm just, I was just going to bring something up right after this. So we're fortunate here to practice our craft freely, yeah. but in Nepal, women accused of witchcraft have been tortured, fed shit, slandered, covered in black soot, and have had acid thrown in their face. Uh, traditionally what happens is a shaman witch doctor would identify the witch in the community and she would be thrown off a cliff chained to a large boulder with iron chains. That is a practice that went on for hundreds of years. But now hopefully with this new legislation, people who are guilty of harming someone on the basis of witchcraft uh, can actually face prison time and a lot of fines. And what I wanted to say is literally what you touched on really quickly is that it doesn't bother me that people are claiming to be witches all of a sudden because of the uprise in its popularity, right? In the last, what, two, three years? Uh-huh. Mainly the last two, three years is when I, I've seen like a huge rise. Um, but what I don't know, uh, what I really wish that people would be more sensitive to or more mindful of is what you're saying um, when you're posting and things like that. Like there's this post in general that, that everybody keeps circulating like for so long already is the one that says, if you're not, um, if you are not living a life now where you would have been burned during witch times, um, are you even living? I think it's somewhere along the lines like that. And that really pisses me off because for those of us who are from lineages of witches and brujas, um, curanderas, curanderos, brujos, brujas, um, we have ancestors who have been tortured and, and murdered because of them 
being um, witches. And, uh, and what that means is them being healers and them being connected to the earth and them trying to make a difference, right? Mm-hmm. And then here we are in America twirling around and, and, and wearing everything that says witch, I'm a witch, here I am, you know, I'm saying, I'm yelling it at the top of my lungs. But are you even noticing or aware that around the world, people are still being murdered and tortured for this? You know? Yeah, I actually post something about how, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of people, ha- women particularly, uh, or neurodiverse people or LGBT people have been harmed by, uh, you know, the, the onset of the printing press and how that ended up causing the death of a you know, hundreds of thousands of people because of accusations of witchcraft. And somebody was like, I was only this many. And I was like, you know, more people have been killed and are still being killed because of witchcraft, like outside of Europe. It's not just European people. Dude, it's not Salem. Like everybody thinks that literally witch trials in Salem was it. Like, no, that's not even a real, those weren't even real witches. Like if you're really going to go back, go back. Like this goes back before Salem. This goes, it didn't even originate from there. It's just that this all happened to have it happen in Salem. And then Salem took off with this whole witch thing there. But this originates from Spain and Europe and the Caribbean and Africa, like all over the world. Um, not just in one place. This is not mm-hmm. American history. This is not European. This is all the way back to indigenous peoples. And um, a lot of people are not doing their research or they're not mindful of that. And it's not that, you know, we want to like tell people stop saying you're a witch. It's just, if you are, know that it's a responsibility also. It's a responsibility. It's, it's to me, it's very sacred. Like if you, if you... Um, claim the word bruja or that you're a witch, really see it as something very sacred to you, like your practice, your personal practice, your personal power, um, and your personal self, right? Not something that's commercial or not something that you're trying to do because it's fashionable, Um, but really just kind of implement more compassion and mindfulness into your whole, you know, lifestyle. You also kind of have to see yourself as an ambassador, for the witchcraft community yes. to protect the safety of others. Yes. And doing it for shock value and doing it to incite a reaction out of people, like a negative reaction, it not only um, gets to that reaction, but it also brings a negative uh, tone to other people who are practicing in a way that is not just for a reaction. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Or, or, or commercial purposes or profitable purposes. You know, um, I'm going to make an announcement soon. Like I'm just, um, I've, I've come to realize that, you know, I am tired of being in this community and, you know, only being seen as one thing, like just a witch, right? When mm-hmm. I'm, in reality, I am an ancestral bruja. Um, and that means so much more than just the word witch, which is, you know, there's healing that goes, that's, that's involved. There's ancestral connection and, and communication that's involved. There's, you know, w- literally worshiping of the earth and the, and the roots, the dirt, the trees, the mountains, everything. So for me, I'm just tired of people seeing me one way because there's so much to me. And th- you know what really 
made me tired of everything most, most of all is that my teachings are really about you finding your own self, you finding the way that is um, unique to you, your practice, the way that you do things, the way that you worship, the way that you do your magic should be unique to you. You shouldn't have to fit into some box, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, you know, you have so many people who come from so many different backgrounds and some people come from really dogmatic backgrounds. Very. So they see, because it's programmed in them to process spirituality like that, they kind of process witchcraft in the same way. And then you have people who don't process it the same way. So you just have like a mixture of everybody. And a lot of people feel like, oh, I'm the authority and my way is my way is the right way. Coming from that place of ego. But really there's space not for ego. everybody. That's, a, that's not ego. That's a colonizer's mindset. True, true, that, it is. That's, that's fucking colonizing energy right there. You thinking that you know everything, that you're away in hierarchy and, and trying to make witchcraft or religion like um, Wicca or any other religions trying to come out there, that is all colonizing witchcraft. That's colonizing spirituality. But gotta- also to think like, like there are set rules, like yeah. this color is associated with this or even yeah, like, yeah. you know, like there's really no kind of like, set rules like you can't you can't put like a mental rule on nature a societal rule on nature nature has its own rules exactly and that's why it's so important that you know you most often chelsea and i's messages are you know you have to do the work yourself for you to build this um education yourself this this connection and and, and see how it works for you. Like when I wrote witchery, that's exactly what witchery does is has you um, detaching from what you thought you knew about witchcraft and magic and relearning it yourself in the way that you should have learned it from the beginning. And um, plant witchery is the same thing. I decided to write a book that goes against all other fucking plant witch books out there because in my book, I specifically um, teach you how to connect to them yourself and kind of write your own journal, write your own, um, analysis on how, on what it means for you to work with certain plants and what we're giving you and what we talk about is lore and history. It's just that, right? Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not like facts. Uh, the only facts are origins and things like that that we'll give you, but we mainly use the word folk and lore with all of these stories, because these are just stories that are unique to different people, but not to you yourself. So they- you know what I like about the about the folklore of plants and and it being uh, like it, it's based on the relationship of the plant with people. It's, yes, that's exactly what it's supposed to be, dude. Like it's supposed to be that a hundred percent. It's kind of like okay, so Chelsea, you and I, we don't know each other, but we dated the same guy. I was with him for 10 years and now you're headed to seven years with him. We're not going to have the same experience with this guy. I've, I've heard this with many people who, you know, they're like, Oh, be careful. You could have been trying to warn. I could have been trying to warn you Oh, you know, he's horrible, blah, blah, blah. But it's just the connection that I had with that guy might not be the same connection you have with that guy. It might be your person that you're from. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, totally. Like chemistry, there's chemistry in everything. Like you have to have chemistry. Some plants vibe with you. Some plants don't, you know, uh, bring the worst out of you. Like maybe that man brought the worst out of me and it maybe brings out the best in you. It's just, it's just 
very individual, very unique, um, very special and sacred to each person's experiences. I find this even when I read my own tarot cards, uh, some of the meanings that tarot cards have for me are not the traditional meanings that I find in books. And I've talked about this with the sun card, but most recently I was reminded of the card that I always pull. Um, Whenever I hurt my back, I hurt my back like a week ago. And I always pull 10 of swords where, you know, the person's laying face down with all the the swords in their back. I always pull that whenever I have a back problem. Yeah, you did that earlier this year. But you're not going to, you're not going to find that in a book. And that what traditionally means backstabbing, like somebody's going to betray you or backstab you or whatever. But for me, I pull it when I'm having like a back issue or I pull three of swords, the one with the blood when I'm on my period. So there's, there's different meanings that you're going to find through self-exploration and also journaling and tracking your results. And those are those, the, some of the things that I found that deviate from the norm. It's my own UPG. And, you know, that's the the fun of witchcraft is is discovering these things. A, a lot of things that came out only came out in less than 100 years ago because up until, what, the 50s, witchcraft was basically illegal? Yes. So you st- there's still so much of this this whole entire thing that needs to be explored. And the books that were written over a period of 30 years are not the law. No, they're not. They're not. And and, and they're not like what you're supposed to follow. You're not supposed to follow anything but your own intuition. Everything. and, And it's kind of like, not helpful for book sales when I say these things <laughs> for me, but the the whole point is that you should, you know, go towards the people who teach you how to find yourself and how to build these practices for yourself and how to have these realizations, right? The ones that, you know, are telling you, you know, this is what I know, but here's a way that you can figure it out for yourself. This is not how it's set in stone. Um, and that's the way I like to work and how I like to teach, um, and how I feel comfortable doing it. Um, talking about finding yourself. And I think that I'm going to bring up, um, um, Gabby Hersick, you know her, right? Uh huh. So in alignment with Kelo Shoshi and what we've been talking about, she's a perfect example of what she's going through lately. I, I follow her on Twitter. I follow her everywhere. I adore her. Um, yeah, she's really great. Yeah. Her. <laughs> and her name is G A B Y H E R S T I K. So she is very like glamorous and she's all about that self-love and passion and sex. Like it's, she's just an, an, an a feminine goddess energy. She's really amazing. She's different. She's unique. Um, I, I've, I've followed her for a few years, you know, and I've seen her journey and her evolution, like, and it's really beautiful to watch this with everybody. But she's going through what I'm going through right now. And it's, you said, you know, we have the eclipse tomorrow. When, when everybody's going to write this, will this one be available for tomorrow? Uh, no, this will be on Tuesday. So it'll be, have been yesterday. Okay. You hear this. Okay. So, so you'll all be profoundly changed. Yes. We're starting <laughs> to feel the fucking, the shedding. And the shedding is so painful. But why I don't feel so lost in this whole awakening for me is because it's happening to so many other people and she's a good representation of it because she 
is in her element, but now she's really getting into more of her element. I don't know how, if you have noticed that. She's- oh, yeah, I've definitely noticed it. And if you're into um, goddesses and stuff, I definitely recommend following her. Yes. And if you're- the way she explores goddesses through like color and fashion is really, really interesting. And there's like eroticism too, right? And that, yeah. that fire and that passion and that sexual. Um, I know that for me, the reason why before I used to follow her and she would trigger me here and there, but anytime I see a trigger is never that person's fault. It's always something with me. Right. And what I think about that a lot, actually like being triggered and stuff like that. Like sometimes like I understand, um, even just talking about my own personal story on social media, when people, um, are like, saying that they're triggered by stuff that I say, or like I put a, I put out a video not that long ago about, um, my experience with going to a party and someone trying to slip me a date rape drug. And I didn't put the trigger warning on the video. Um, but I put it in the caption and people were like, okay, you need a trigger warning. So I put it on the next video that I made, I put it in the video in the caption. And then somebody was like, you need a separate slide that says trigger warning before the video starts. And I was like, to what point do we have to put a trigger warning? To, or, or does it become just silencing people trying to talk yeah, about their own experience? That's how I feel. Like if you have, this, this is something new to me, putting trigger warning on anything that's new from like TikTok. Like, I don't know that it's weird to have to put a trigger warning on my own life experience on my own platform. Yeah. Yeah. I have noticed that too. I've seen people doing that on TikTok mainly. And I'm like, why are they putting trigger warning? This is public. Like if you're on social media, expect to be fucking triggered. There's so many different um, stories and, and, and experiences and there's negative and positive things happening. But the other thing that when it comes to triggers for me, as someone who has dealt with rape trauma is the things that trigger me aren't seeing the word rape. The things that trigger me are the smell of my abuser's cologne. Like if somebody walks by me wearing it in the store, it makes me feel literally nauseous. Um, And there's just like other things, even like a sound that is like not a word, you know, some basements, like just things that are like random associations with that person will be triggering for me. Yeah. And I think it's kind of hard to, to put out a trigger warning for, for anything. Cause it could really be, it could really be anything that triggers a person. And I, as, and I'm not saying that other people should not expect to, you know, tr- trigger warnings are good and they should be used in some situations. Absolutely. Um, but I think that there needs to be some consideration and some empathy for people who have gone through certain situations and want to speak about their situations. Because if you're telling if you, especially if you're coming from a place where like you haven't experienced that and you're commenting on a person's experience saying that they need a trigger warning, <laughs> it's just yeah. rude. It's just rude. It's like, what are you doing? Like you think that you're, you're, um, you know, making a point and like, I don't, it just is, it just feels wrong 
for someone who has not lived that experience to comment on a survivor's post and be like, you need to put a warning on this for not me because it doesn't affect me. I don't. Just like the natives did um, with Kelo Shoshi, right? They didn't touch Kelo Shoshi. Don't touch the post. If you're triggered by it, go away. Like, don't read it. Or if you read it, leave it be. Let them, that person share their experience and, and not have to be judged by other people. Um, but her, she, she used to trigger me a little bit and I didn't even know how or why. Um, and I just come to really adore her and really be, she helped me kind of be more comfortable with my body. Right. I guess because she was so confident in her body and, and I wasn't. So, you know, it took me to be a bigger person and be like, okay, why I really like this person, but why is there like small triggers here and there? Um, and instead of like commenting and being like a, a negative Nancy or like unfollowing her, I really looked at myself and I said, Hmm, I wonder what it is that's happening here. But uh, that's part of the shadow work that's supposed to go on yes. when you're a witch. And that's part of the recognizing and being self-aware of the things that make us tick. Um, you know, you can tell when somebody doesn't have, when somebody hasn't done the work. Yeah, you can. Because Mm -hmm. if somebody is like, I'm a witch or like has a witch in their name on Instagram, but is quick to like drop in your comments and put you down because of something that they're projecting onto you. And uh, this is, has nothing to do with even trigger warnings, just in general. If somebody is like quick to drop in and be like, just say something nasty or negative and witches in their name, chances are they probably haven't done the work. Yeah, it's true. And a lot of you haven't. Like I'm talking to everybody who's listening. Like you really, we have to hold um, ourselves accountable, right? For um, what it is that we want to do, how we want to evolve and expand. And and especially in our spirituality, um, just calling yourself a witch or a bruja or a healer, because everybody's calling themselves healers these days, or light workers or, or mystic, whatever it is that you're calling yourself, are you doing the work? What is the work? Self-work. That work that you do for your own healing, you focus on yourself first, on your own personal healing, on your own traumas, you know, inner child work, shadow work, all of that stuff. It is work. That's why we call it work, right? Yes. The work is self-work. Yeah. I call that root work, which is the the roots of who you are. You have to kind of go. And and it's not to say that you're going to do all the work and it's going to be all fine and dandy. No, this takes years and years and years. And, and, And I'm a perfect example of that, right? I thought I was done with the fucking expansions, um, and the awakenings and the rebirth. And I was hit with it just recently, yesterday, like it was coming this whole year, but it it finally blew up in my face yesterday. And now I have to like work through the rest of the weeks coming ahead to kind of integrate myself to this new feeling and this new being and this new energy and spirit that I'm holding right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. We were just talking about this before too, like growth and those types of things are so uncomfortable. And also the spiritual work is never done. You know, we're, we're not saying, oh, you know, you, you listener, the, you have to put in work. We all have to put in work all the time for the rest of forever. Forever. Our existence here, it's us doing the work, right? And if you get done with the work, you're dead, done. That's it. You're done. 
I feel like this is, earth is like our school, our spiritual school. You know, we have our spiritual teachers and guides and elders and ancestors here, which are our plants, our trees, our mountains, rocks, rivers, waterfalls, our ancestors. We have the sky, the moon, the sun. We, this is a whole spiritual playground in school for us. And we're all children of the earth and we're all learning and we're all doing the work. Um, and we sometimes forget also that doing the work also means rest. It also means um, giving yourself a break and, and telling yourself that you're doing the best that you can, you know? Um, it's so hard these days, right? Because there's so many things that people tell you what spiritual work should be and, and not be. Mm-hmm. But I really think, again, going back to being individualized, this is very unique to you and what that means to you and how that works for you. It's very different for everyone. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited for the future of this earth period and, and, and where we're going because of all of the expansion and all of the, the, the changes that are happening within everybody. We're also the only part of the natural world that continues to get further and further from the natural world. Like everything else in the natural world is working together and we're consistently getting further from it. So it's really important to just be conscious of the fact that you have to integrate yourself back into nature and into the natural world. Yeah. And how do we bring this back to, um, Gelo Shoshi, right? Is she, she has been um, genetically modified, right? To fit into this colonized world. Into a pot. Yeah. How do we, I see like we're genetically modified, right? Mm -hmm. All of us from who we were supposed to be in our, in our indigenous roots, our, our native states. Um, we're not close to that. We're trying, what we're trying to do is get rid of this, um, this modified version of ourselves because this is what has been done to us and, and going back to the roots of who we are. And just like with Kelo Shoshi, um, we need to reclaim ourselves and we need to bring back, um, reclamation for this plant. And I think that's it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I actually want to talk a little bit about the magical properties. Okay. So, um, I do talk about it in, in my book and I do have, um, to work with her. I really do feel like she is a faith plant. Um, meaning she's definitely a plant that you pray to one that you definitely want to tell your desires and wishes to. Mm-hmm. And I have like in the book that you can bury a petal, um, one of the leaves or petals into the snow and kind of like not for releasing, but for birthing. So if you want something birthed into your, into your life, into your spirit or yourself, um, like a wish, you, you can do that. And if you're in a location where there is no snow, you can do it during the winter um, um, months in the dirt. I love that. Yeah. And we're it, supposed to get snow this week too. If you're in New Jersey, I think we're supposed to get snow tomorrow. I was out when we had our first little flutter of snow. I was so freaking excited. I collected the little bit that came down. Um, but I am so excited for snow this year. It's just pure, right? It's purity. It's like kind of like a huge cleanse for 2020 is how yeah, I feel. I hope we have a super snowy winter. Like when yes. it was one, it snowed every week and it was one of my favorite winters. And I just hope we have like a repeat of that. 
I know I really don't care now because we're not driving anywhere really. Cause yeah. <laughs> so let us know. Let yeah, it give pile me all the snow. Yes, please. I also- saved some for my bath, which I'm taking tomorrow, which will be yesterday when this podcast airs. So I have some snow for my bath. Well, the first, um, the, the little bit of snow that I got, I, I did a foot bath with it. I need to get more for a bath. Well, Wednesday, we'll get tons of snow. Yeah. I got a deep freezer, so I can put it in my deep you, freezer. Because of you, I got one. It's like the best thing, decision I ever made. I love it. Yeah, so I'm going to have just tons of jars of snow. Oh, so good. So, so good. So this episode was really, really dear to my heart. Um, I'm so glad that we got to do it. I think it's perfect timing, especially with the eclipse tomorrow. And, and hopefully, you know, we kind of expanded or taught you something that you guys didn't know. And now you're revved up and we'll never call it poinsettia again. Yeah. <laughs> Ketla Shoshi. Yes. Did I spell it out already or no? Uh, I can spell it out. It's C-U-E-T-L-A-X-O-C-H-I-T-L. Okay. Yes. And the pronunciation will be like K-E-T-L-A-S-H-O-S-H-E. Or you can even call it Lalupati, which is what they call it in Nepal, if if that's easier for you. <laughs> if it's easier for you. <laughs> because it's, at least it's not named after Joel R. Poinsett. Um, so... You can find me on social media on Instagram at Stay at Home Witch. That's my personal one, or Witch Baby Soap on Instagram and Twitter, and then Chelsea the Witch on TikTok. Where can we find you, Juliet? Everywhere um, under I am Juliet Diaz. Well, have a great day. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah to those celebrating. Bye, guys. Bye.